literally I've had people say before, like I leave a part of me in the car before I walk into the building, right? So I can quote unquote fit in. Well, how do you keep that authenticity and how do you help impact culture? How do you think about as you're being interviewed, interviewing the organization to make sure it's a great fit for you? Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome James Rousseau Sr. to the show today. The CoreLink Solution was founded and is led by James. He is a transformational leader with a track record of results. He held senior leadership roles at J.P. Morgan Chase of SVP HR Service Delivery and then served as SVP of Credit Cards. He served as president of Affinity Solutions at Allstate Insurance, where he partnered with businesses and regulators to drive innovation in the industry. Lastly, he served as president, business solutions, and chief commercial officer at Legal Shield, where he drove double-digit growth, leading to a firm PE exit. We talked about his career story, his leadership philosophy, how we are both INTJs on the Myers-Briggs. We also talked about what leaders need to do most right now as they're managing through uncertainty in this never-ending pandemic. James gave so many actionable tips with his frameworks and robust examples from his executive corporate career, C-suite career, and his board service. I'm excited to dig into the conversation. Let's get started. Well, welcome so much to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to get to know you even more. Um, But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit more about your story? Sure. So let's see. I started born and raised in North Philadelphia. was one of those kids who was not highly confident, introverted. Uh, naturally wore thick glasses, was picked on in school, thought I'd play football and didn't, and uh, just had a rough time earlier in my uh, youth. My mother and father got divorced and, uh, you know, everything just took off from there. And I think, you know, when I lost my father, he actually died when I was about 19. I think it kind of sent me in this swirl of trying to figure out other ways to validate myself. 
when I went to uh, go to college, so funny, I got to Temple University. I said, oh, I'm going to finally do this communications major. It did not work out because my financial aid fell through. But I just plunged into work. And first job was a hardware store around the corner for me at 14. God taught me, Joe Jankowski, just how to do everything from making keys to installing security systems. Uh, and then uh, after high school, I went to do other jobs. And the job that probably changed me the most was this job at a company called Today's Man where uh, they owned 20 stores initially with security. I got spotted by someone who became a mentor and I moved into the financial area doing uh, accounts payable, receivables, payroll. And I just grew up in HR after that. Uh, I went to a bank in Delaware called Wilmington Savings Fund Society to run payroll and HR systems. I was a techie guy. I went to school at night for programming, decided not to be a programmer afterwards. But, uh, and then I got to chase after I did some consulting, I did two years of ERP consulting with an outfit out of New York. And then when I got to chase, they were going through a major transformation from like a, uh, uh, old system to a new ERP platform, uh, people and I helped lead that and manage a team of 60 people and was getting my chops in leadership and just grew up there from vice president to senior vice president, wound up going back to school at night finishing my bachelor's and then got addicted, I think, and went back again later to my master's and uh, was has been extremely blessed to uh, work in two or three large companies like a JP Morgan Chase, where I floated from the HR side of the house to the revenue side of the house. Later, I went to card services to manage portfolio, credit card portfolios, a couple billion dollars, um, which is not natural to go from the staff side to the revenue side. And then after that, I got a call one day from a recruiter looking for a new president for a business unit at Allstate Insurance. And I was fortunate enough to get that gig running uh, uh, what I called business solutions at Allstate. And then uh, three years later, got the itch again when uh, a private equity company who owned Legal Shield wanted to have a president who would kind of unify these disparate business units and pull them together. So I have been tremendously fortunate while chasing uh, validation and such to find ways to not only uncover opportunities, but then also identify that that bad behavior, if you will, that led to some success and figure out how to manage that as well. And I think over time, I don't know about you, if you've done any of this, Laura, I used to test like an INTJ extreme I on Myers-Briggs. I am an INTJ, yes. Get out of here. <laughs> yes, <Are> you <laughs> Yeah, and then over time, over like seven years, they moved from like an I7 to an I3, to an E1, to an mm. E3 or five, right? And I think oh, wow. that's, that's the gigs. I mean, at one point at J.P. Yeah. Morgan Chase, I had a team of, you know, 400 folks across seven, eight locations, and you get used to getting on the road and talking to people. But still, at the end of the day, I think it probably exhausted me. But mm -hmm. uh, I learned a lot. And I think that also is probably how I learned, you know, flexibility, fungibility, and, and things such as that. Yeah, so that's a long answer, sorry. <laughs> 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 I love the long answer. Yeah, I am an INTJ as well. Um, and you, so you said something. Yeah, it is so funny. Um, you said something. You can do the other stuff, but it is exhausting sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the, the outfit I worked with uh, for a while called Think Human says it really well that um, you can flex your style. So we all have a natural style and you can flex. It. And I think that's one thing we should be aware of when we're doing a test. It depends on how we contextualize the answers in the test, but that doesn't mean you've changed your natural state, right? You're, you're right. doing things to be all things to people. One of my leadership philosophies are the four C's. You have to be a coach, a counselor, a cheerleader, and a confidant all in one day, every day, because you're managing different people. You have to be a coach and coach them. 
You have to be a cheerleader and clap them out in the field. You have to be a counselor and just sit and listen sometimes, right? And you have to be a confidant, someone they can trust. And if you're leading people, that's every day. And if you miss one of them, you miss the opportunity to really propel someone forward uh, in their potential. I love that. That is so good. That is so good. Four C's. So good. (laughs) (laughs) I try to do everything in some some form of framework because I have horrible memory. So I have to put in something I'll remember. No, that's a a great device to stay intentional. Yes. Absolutely. Intentionality is everything. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's a, there's a lot of frameworks out there, but like at the end of the day, it helps you remind yourself on the behaviors to be present, right. And and to be that leader that you need to be. So tell me, um, leading those huge jobs, those big teams, how do you get to where you are now? And can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was probably during my time at Chase as I was one, you know, I think I became more aware of where I'd come from my neighborhood, which was one of those neighborhoods, quite honestly, where, you know, uh, post the crack era, if you want to call it that, it was highly impacted neighborhoods, surrounding neighborhoods were almost decimated. And so you begin to have some success and people feel like you've made it right. And so making it is supposedly like you leave the neighborhood and all those different things, but your family's there. And so you come back and forth to see your mom and your brother or whoever the case may be. And you start to go, wait a minute. It seems like I'm special, but special is not scalable. Right. So how do we fix the systems and things that um, support people? And I guess growing up as in, in operations and whatnot, I'm you know, highly into, you know, how do the conveyor belts work, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) System thinking and such naturally, maybe before it's called system thinking. And I just got really intentional to use your word around helping others. And I couldn't say no to being a mentor and JP Morgan Chase in Delaware. And if I'm honest, out of, let's call it 3000 people in Delaware, there were probably four or five black senior vice presidents. So you just get a, you know, a multitude of people coming to you. And I can say, no, and I tell my sister, make time. I've got to eat. I've got to eat breakfast. I've got to eat lunch to make it happen. And as I'm mentoring mentees, themes start to come to mind in terms of what they're experiencing. And I'm starting to take notes on those themes so I can be consistent in my advice. That's how my book came to be, quite frankly. It was just a big word document of notes. And I said, let me do more to try to help more people. So that included everything from sponsoring ERGs and being a part of the Corporate Diversity Council when I moved to Allstate as a president of a business unit, because my mindset then was, let me get to the C-suite and I can really help people internally, right? Because I can move from coaching and counseling and mentoring to help with the policy development and impact, right? So as I'm thinking about, again, trying to make internal change, and I'm doing this at Allstate, I'm finishing the book, if it hits me that, you know, this is, this is great. I think I can do more if I'm external. And I start thinking about how do I plan that? And I, we had been planning for a while, my wife and I, we had worked on living below our means, thinking about different things. And so when I got to Legal Shield, which was a private equity company, I just kept thinking towards that. And when we made a change in ownership, I decided to leave at that time. It was just the perfect time to exit and really pour more of my efforts, almost all of my efforts into our nonprofit. We birthed a nonprofit back in early 2000s, which was called CoreLink Ministries. Our DBA is the CoreLink Solution. And the whole idea is we want to revitalize communities by helping people, by empowering people to reach their potential, plain and flat. And we do that through two things. I always say it's a head and a heart mission. Uh, The head side is career and leadership development. We help people find their passion and figure out how to live it out through a six-step process. 
And then on the heart side, we run a brand called Holy Culture, which is a Christian rap and faith media-based organizations. And the two intertwine quite nicely, right? Because then you're providing a whole system, if you will, to a person. So that's what I do now. I love that so much. And what do you what do you love most about being in in on that side external now? Yeah. Um, what are you spending your time mostly on? And what's lighting you up most? Yeah. So what I find exciting about it is helping. I, I think it's like anything else. It's helpful to tell people something from a laboratory and a theoretical basis is more helpful when you've done it. Right. Yeah. And so I love spending time with like I just hired a, a new person on my team, 25 years old. Right. And figuring out things for the first time. And it's great to be able to pour into someone like that and help them get along Two, I think it's helpful to have conversations with people about not divorcing what's most important to them before they walk through the turnstile of any organization. Right. Literally, I've had people say before, like, I leave a part of me in the car before I walk into the building. Right. So I can, quote unquote, fit in. Well, how do you keep that authenticity and how do you help impact culture? How do you think about as you're being interviewed, interviewing the organization to make sure it's a great fit for you? Right. How do you, how do you do those things? I love that. Thirdly, um, I love creating a platform that helps uh, expand the voice and helps us think about things like being more civil, things about disagreement and kindness, things about, you know, where you merge again, faith, music, arts, vocation, together. And so as an example, we're expanding our digital radio to a Sirius XM channel in April, right? So it'll be great to, we'll run a full channel 24 by seven, we'll have a number of programs. And that allows us to be on a platform with 50 million subscribers and really uh, talk about everything from career to faith and everything in between. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I want to get your perspective on this. You know, we're in this, we're in this new normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to get your perspective, it, like in this moment of today, what do we need to do managing people? It feels like we thought maybe it was one thing, but yeah. what is it really? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I stumbled on a, a, another framework or created another framework because, you know, in the initial part of the pandemic, I'm coaching different C-suite leaders. Right? I was doing some business coaching in 19, no, in 20 and 21. I stopped at the end of last year. I'm coaching a couple of CEOs and I'm, I'm going through my normal framework, right? which is purpose, people, process, right? If you can nail the purpose of the organization, you can understand those who you're working with, how they see their purpose and can find connection points. Awesome. If the connection points are there, you need to understand what they're after and figure out how to help feed it. So for example, I'm an insurance company like Allstate. I have people on my team who love, I don't know, helping people find housing. I said, well, we don't do housing, but we have the Habitat for Humanity program. Maybe there are other things that you're doing. How do I make sure I facilitate you getting to those things so I can get the very best out of you, right? And then, you know, people, how do we develop really smart programs with them? How do we collaborate? And then process, how do we make sure people understand the business model, the operating model, and the governance model, right? Those three Ps have served me well over my career. If I knock them all out in terms of uh, engagement, in terms of retention. But when we got into this and the prolonged nature of it, right, it, it, it wasn't as effective. It felt like, wow, there are some things missing. And so I developed a new model. And the new model I call SCORE, right? Okay. It's an acronym, which is one, self-care. Community care, 
objectives, reconciliation, and execution. And self-care was was at the start on purpose because what I found is that most, most of us as leaders, we feel like we need to run in, right? We have to run in. We have to make sure everything happens. Uh, the harder it gets, the more we think we just need to bear down, right? Mm-hmm. Bigger nails, bigger hammer. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I, I told someone this, this story one day. I said, you know, to reorient your mind and have a paradigm shift, think of it this way. Basketball players play over 70 games a year. They go to all different stadiums and they walk in. The crowds are different and people are yelling at them and whatnot. But for the most part, things are very much the same. The distance of the court from end to end is the same. The height of the court's the same. The rim's the same. The ball's the same. The backboard's the same. Imagine, I don't care who you are, LeBron James, and you go into a court, uh, going to on the court and the backboard starts moving while you're trying to shoot. Even he would go, what, what are you doing? Right. That, that, that is to me, almost like what we're doing right now. All the things that we thought we knew that were standing still are shifting. Yeah. And so if you look at it that way, you just have to zoom out and think differently. So self-care, you know, when I talk to leaders about self-care, it's, it's the classic, when you get on the plane, you do want to help everybody. What does a stewardess say to you doing the training before takeoff, right? Put your mask on first. Mm-hmm. If you want to help other folks and you really are intent about helping other folks, put your mask on first. So I'll, I'll pause there because I said a lot. <laughs> I love it. I love the self-care. And it's so interesting. The more I spend time with senior leaders, just like you, I feel like they're getting worse at it. The higher mm. they are in organizations, you know, and I, I spend my time, you know, sometimes working with intact senior leadership teams and, you know, the power of modeling self-care is huge yeah. in a culture. And it's something that they're leaving on the table Absolutely. because they're not taking care of themselves. They're not eating sometimes they're not eating lunch or they're not eating dinner or they're not running like they used to. Um, or they're not seeing their families often, or they're not taking their vacations. Oftentimes Mm. they're not taking their vacations. So even just some of the bare minimum kind of table stakes, employee benefits, these senior leaders aren't even taking advantage of. So then what does that then do? It's that ripple effect in the organization, right? So I love that your model starts with self-care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of these I've talked to go, I don't have time for it, or I don't know what the thing is. And I'll often respond, listen, just, just calm your mind for a second and think about that thing that gives you a little bit more energy. Is it when you take a walk? Is it when you work out? Uh, for me at the end of the day, you know, when, when I'm in my, at my not best self, you know, I mean, I, I may work late into the evening when I'm really right. I'm stopping about six o'clock. Uh, I'm having dinner with my wife. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a video game on Xbox 360 or PS4. Or I'm reading a book or something, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm stopping. I work from home mostly, so I need a break in between. I used to have a commute, and now I need a walk. A transition between yes. like like strategic or coach versus mom, and yes. and also introvert alone time. I need some to be by myself. <laughs> yes. To be honest, yes, yes. <laughs> book. Sometimes it's a book, but often it's just a walk in the neighborhood. Yes, and and that's exactly right. As an introvert, I need to recharge. Like. Uh, you know, go to the living room, play a game. It's just me. That's awesome. Wonderful. Okay. Teach me about the other parts of score. Sure. So the second one is community care, right? So if you're modeling it, you also need to share what you're doing as a means to, for a couple of things, one, to give people permission, 
right? People need permission. And to your point, uh, it, it's harder in a virtual environment because it's easier just to work from eight to five, not leave your desk, grab some lunch, eat right there uh, while you're plugging away on emails. And you need to be the leader of community care. You need to be to say to people, listen, I, I need you to take care of yourself. Let me tell you some things I'm doing. Uh, if you're doing staff meetings and one-on-ones or stand-ups, whatever, open up with, you know, personal professional check-ins. As a part of people's personal check-in, ask them, what are you doing for self-care? You have to repeatedly say it for it to be okay to people. Yes. You can't say it once. (laughs) No, no. And you have to, like you said, tell, you have to be transparent about what you're doing to make them realize, oh, they're doing it. So I can do it. It's not just the fluff, right? It's not just a a thing that we say and not do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so if you can get through those two and those two are the hardest, then the next is objectives. Okay. And objectives is really around the, always the, who, the, what, the, where, the, why, the, how. And the thing I found early on that was really helpful for folks is to remember this, the why we do what we do is a constant. The who we do it for, our customers, our target audience, who we do it with, other stakeholders in our supply chain, and the what, the what we actually deliver to fulfill our why for the who is a constant. But the where and the when are variables that we can play with. Where do we get it done? When do we get it done? Right. So if you could just as a leader, step back and go, wait a minute, is that true? And I always ask the leader, don't don't believe me. Just ask yourself the questions. Are you firming your why? Use that as a rallying call. Are you firming your who? Use that as clarity. Are you firming your what? Yes, we are. You know, if we're Coke, beat Pepsi and we're making this and we're doing this great. So now let's talk about the where and the when. Those are important variables to play with and negotiate with and figure out as a team what's going to make sense. You used to all be in a factory. Now you need to be distributed. Is that really a problem? Can you fulfill the three with that? The when you used to have your staff meetings at this room at 10 a.m. Now you have, you know, a team of 20. Several of them have to take kids to school. Is 10 a.m. really something you have to stick with? Or can you ask folks what's going to work best for everyone? How do we move it? So what can you do with the where and when to facilitate, you know, engagement and facilitate collaboration while still meeting the, the big three? That's what objectives is about. I love that. I'm only going to have to differ with one thing that you said. Um, yeah. I'm a PepsiCo alum. Everything else, I love it. Everything else. Well, I'll use that example because I literally remember talking to some a senior executive from Coke one day and he's like, our, our mission statement is almost just beat Pepsi. Like it's almost. Oh, that's hilarious. That because yeah. we used to have like a, a floor mat, like where you like wiped your feet and it yes. was like of the Coke logo. So Is there's right? a little competition oh, wow. there. Did you work at Pepsi at one point? I work, yeah, I worked at PepsiCo for um, uh, almost 12 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I may have to start using that example just to help you. I'll, I'll flip it. I'll, I'll I love it. <laughs> just to help you. Uh, the Thank R you. is for um, reconciliation, right? So uh, I, I say pull out the classic um, stop, start, continue list mm-hmm. and put them to task and just with a slight nuance, right? So okay. let's do start last. So so stop. What are the things that you should stop? What are things that you've already known you should stop, but it was mm-hmm. it was taboo to bring them up? Okay. And I'm like this is great to look at that list to go, you know, it's like the movie Office Space. Who's looking at the TPS reports? Yeah. <laughs> Why do we keep pumping them out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, and challenge yourself and then continue. Do continues. Not that you because they didn't come up on the start list, you're going to continue because you can validate they're necessary to deliver on the big three. 
They're necessary to deliver your why for your who with the what, right? So don't just assume because it didn't come up on start list, you should continue. And then this, the new start list should be things that really accelerate efficiency and productivity because of the variables that you dealt with, with the where and the when. And that's really it on reconciliation is really taking that time to go through that list and think about what you're going to do differently. And then the last one is E, execution. And, you know, for me, it's plan, do, review, right? Plan, do, review, and then what may you need to change after you do that? The only difference is in, in normal days, if you will, like I was saying, like in peacetime, we may do plan, do, review based on big project and milestones or based on, you know, biweekly when I have our staff meetings, monthly, et cetera. My only thing to leaders that I would suggest during this time is do plan, do review a lot more frequently. Okay. Just because of the nature of what we're in, just because of how quickly things can change for your team, team members, at least weekly, do a stand-up. How, how, how are we doing? This is what we said we would do. This is a plan. How are we doing? How's everyone feeling about it? And what do we need to change? Offer that up. And again, conversational way with your team. It, it will go a long way to people feeling like they are part of the process and not just drug along through the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like your analogy before, like the things that you thought were fixed, the basketball hoop, the stands, like those are the things weekly that actually might be changing that we need to make sure, like, where are we here? How, how do we feel about these things? Absolutely. I mean, think about how many times we thought we were fully going to open over the last six months or so, right? Like it's almost over. We can all go back. Oh, wait a minute. Not, not so much. Right. I, I, I sit on the board of DeVry. And I can't tell you how many semesters now we thought we'd reopen campuses. And then we go, you know, uh, based on this new information, further evaluation, not so much. I mean, we just thought we were going to do our next board meeting in person in Florida. I was so excited uh, in two weeks to be heading to Florida. Well, no, we need to do another virtual one, right? It's just not the ideal time. And so when you think about that, when you talk about plan, do, review, you have to consider all, again, the, the moving backboard. Yeah. What do you think about this? Everybody, we're still moving stuff. We're still moving stuff. How do you think leaders are like just their resiliency and this idea of, is it just now review and nothing is as it was before? Like this longevity of uncertainty, it feels, it feels exhausting. Yeah. Any other things that we, you should buckle down on? Should you should you just buckle down on the self-care and community or what other insights do you have for us to yeah. stay the course? It's a great question. So I, I would say you're going to live in that objective piece for a while where your, your why, your who, and your um, what are probably going to be consistent, but the where and the when are going to have to fluctuate. And I had a friend that said it's so good. I mean, black swan moments only come every so often, right? Decades or so apart. I mean, it's a black swan moment. And so trying to land the plane and say, we're going to get back to what it was, you know, pre-pandemic feels a bit like a misnomer, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and, and maybe even just mentally, it's better to think about how are we creating the new? I like it. How are we creating the, the new together, right? That, that gives you, a, to me, a relief of, I'm not, I'm not held captive in this thing versus I'm moving along and we, the big we collectively, are creating the new as we roll along together in this thing. Because otherwise you feel like you're, you're holding each other almost, right? We're bracing the wind until this wind stops. And uh, that creates a lot more anxiety. 
Thank you so much. I, I really love all, I love all of the frameworks. There's like frameworks within the frameworks. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and I just want to thank you so much for your time today um, in this really Welcome. great dialogue. And we'd love to leave people with an action item. So what is our, your call to action for us, James? My call to action would be simply get the SCORE framework that I talked about. It's available free on the website. Just go to thecorelinksolution.com forward slash score and you'll get an ebook. Uh, it's a it's a quick read, but it'll walk you through again why I developed the framework, all the pieces I mentioned, and a little more, more detail and some examples that may help you. I love it. Thank you so much for making that available to us. And we'll link that in our show notes as Thank well. You. Thank you. And I just want to thank you so much for this time of connection and community. It was really great to get to know you. Likewise. Thank you. Continued success to you with your podcast. Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care. Mm -hmm.